Question. What is your view of the Bible? And um, when I ask you this question, you may have already guessed. I'm not really, or neither is God, I'm, I believe. That we're not looking for a Sunday school answer. Oh, yeah, the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. The question that I want to, you know, ask is, you know, what do you really think of it? What do you really think of the Bible? If you really believe that it is the Word of God, then do you treat it like it is the Word of God? Do you treasure it in your heart? And do you come under its authority? If, say, if you say that, yeah, the Bible is the Word of God, then do you really treasure? Do you come under the authority of the scriptures. You truly believe what he says. And I think uh, one way, there are many different ways, but one way to know what we really think of it is to kind of gauge and to see what we do with it uh, you know, throughout the week, Monday through Saturday. Well, Sunday, obviously, right? We bring our Bible apps and our phones and things like that, but you know, what do we do with it? Monday through Saturday, you spend time in the Word. Because I think what we cherish, we will find or make time for it, whatever that we value. We are going to make time for it. I remember uh, when I was, uh, you know, uh, dating and when I was, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, chasing great, uh, my, my wife at that time, uh, no, before, we got married. You know, she was up in New Jersey, and I was out here in Virginia. So, you know, it's just like a four-hour drive one way, right? Um, but it's no easy commitment for me to, to, to make that effort. But, you know, it was very important for me because, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, she, there she is. You know, she's the one for me. And so, you know, it didn't matter, like, what kind of schedule I had. I, I, I made time, right? Um, if we're just trying to look for like a spare time, I wasn't going to find time for it. But because this relationship was very important to me, I made sure I would make time for it. I remember one time I was so tired, so like I took a, uh, the Greyhound bus up to uh, New York City. And then uh, we, uh, you know, so I tried to just squeeze as much time, you know, out of it. And then um, so the bus was supposed to come back down on it's, I, don't ask me why I did that. Um, I scheduled it because I wanted to spend as much time with her at, uh, as, mu as, mu as much as I could. As much as I could. Um, and um, so the Greyhound bus that was departing from New York City back to D.C., I did it at midnight, right, on Sunday midnight, right, Saturday all day, and then just, um, and just so happened that um, uh, the bus driver, I guess something happened, so he, did, he didn't show up. So I was just waiting in the bus terminal until 4 a.m. in Sunday morning, right? And so by the time, it was basically the, the, the equivalent of like, the, like a red-eye flight kind of thing, right? So like 4 a.m., and then by the time I got to, uh, to back to, uh, to Union Station, it was 8 a.m. in Sunday morning, and our service at the time was at 10 a.m., I was just like, 
uh, freaking out. And, uh, but thankfully, like, I barely made it in time. Why did I all of that? It's because it was, I cherished it. It was very important for me. So, you know, what we truly treasure, we will make time for it. And, you know, the Bible is not just a collection of stories, myths, um, or human ideas about God. It's not a human book. It is unlike any other book that has ever been written. You know, throughout, the gen uh, throughout generations, there have been countless attempts to undermine and to discredit the historicity, integrity, and the authority of the scriptures. But the scripture, you know, it has withstood their onslaught and the test of time. It wasn't only recent times that people were trying to discredit scripture. And the new archaeological like discoveries only strengthened the authenticity of the scripture. So, you know, we all know about Pontius Pilate, right? The guy, the Roman uh, ruler who basically gave the go to crucify Jesus. So it's, we, we know all of that because it's clearly stated in the scriptures. But outside of like few very brief mentions of his name in contemporary, like uh, back in first century, there was no proof that Pontius Pilate was actually uh, the governor of the region of Judea at that time. In the time of Jesus, the people for like almost 2,000 years, people have been just, uh, the critics were just criticizing. You see, like this is, a, there is no proof, right? There was only a couple of mentions of Pontius Pilate in their official document back in those days. But there was no record whatsoever that he actually was the, the ruler or the governor uh, in the region of Judea. They were criticizing that, you know, the Bible, you just cannot trust it. They just may have just made up, they may have heard of this guy named Pontius Pilate and just put that in there, right? But then in 1961, um, they found a stone back in the first century uh, AD, first, in the time of Jesus, where there was actually the inscription where it says Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, in the region of Judea, right? So all the people that have been just talking about how, see, Bible is full of these like frauds, right? They had to just shut their mouths. And it's just not one, just one. It's called the Pilate Stone. But it's not just that they're just, every even archaeological findings that they come up with only strengthen the, the integrity of the Word of God. It is a timeless, priceless book that has changed the lives of the people forever. And the Bible speaks to us in all kinds of situations. As I said before, it is not bound by cultural, cultural like, you know, shifts or the times. It speaks to us in any situation. And where does this enduring and incredible power come from? How can this book, written thousands of years ago, have such transformative power? How can it still speak to us, no matter where we are, Regardless of where we came from, whether, you know, it just crosses the boundaries, race, uh, economy, socioeconomic class, culture, everything. 
How can it speak to us? The origin of the Bible has everything to do with it. You know, when we consider a great work, sometimes we can ask the question, where is, you know, what is its source? A great painting originates from the aesthetic vision of the painter. I don't know if you can, uh, to Michelangelo, oh man, oh, it's not a good, uh, you can barely see it, but um, Sistine Chapel in Vatican City, right? There is, uh, you know, yeah, you can barely see it. Uh, Michelangelo, right, like the, on the, door, the ceiling and just the wall, he painted Last Judgment. Like just inspired, it just, Michelangelo just uh, painted this, this master uh, work, spending many, many years. All of that started from the mind of the painter. A great, um, a great book begins in the mind of the author. John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. Also, it started from his own mind and decided to write a book. And especially it is true of the Bible. It is unthinkable to imagine that such a work could originate in the minds of men. Scripture that we have in our hands. It's inconceivable. Only God can conceive the redemption of mankind throughout human history. Only God could do such a thing. Because the scripture is really about God's revelation of drawing his people to himself, redeeming the mankind to himself. And they kind of the grand scale, just the conception of it, could only come from God himself. And we ourselves prove this point because all of us here, whether we are here in this place or at home, our lives have been forever transformed by the power of the gospel. Think about where you were before, before you knew Christ, before you came to uh, the understanding of what the scripture really uh, is talking about and where we are now. We were once spiritually so lost. We didn't care anything about God or it just, the word of God would just come in one year and just goes out the other, never really transforming it, changing the way we live, changing the way we think, changing the way we believe. We were lost and we were blind. But now by the ministry of the Holy Spirit because of the word of God, we no longer are in darkness, spiritual darkness. But now we are in the light and we have life in us. And the only way to explain all this is the fact that it is of the divine origin. I know many of us, most of us, all of us already know that. But I think it is really important for us once again think through this and what it really implies to us. Through the Holy Spirit, God revealed himself and his plan to certain believers who wrote down his message for his people. And this whole process is known as inspiration. Inspiration. And that's the f focus of my message today. It's crucial for us 
to understand this divine inspiration. You know, uh, Thomas Jefferson famously cut out the New Testament passages that mention miracles, something that are supernatural, right? They, he just cut them out, like the resurrection, the virgin birth, uh, the miracles recorded in the, in the Gospels. He cut, he literally, with a razor, he cut them out. He just took all those, like, uh, passages out. And then the rest of it was what, uh, he never called it the Bible, but, you know, we, we came to call it as Thomas Jefferson Bible. And we actually, if you go, um, I think it's, uh, it's in one of the museums, I forget where it was, but it's actually there. Like, the Thomas Jefferson, he actually, with a razor, cut out all these things. And that was his Bible, without those miraculous and supernatural things. I said, this is, and for his devotion, he believed that's what the Bible was really about. It's simply about moral teachings, loving your neighbor, uh, loving your enemies, be good to other people, right? Be patient, those things. So he loved, you know, uh, the passages talk about morals, ethical teachings of Jesus. But when it's talking about the Son of God, Miraculous things. Jesus healing the sick, driving out demons, and what have you. He said, ah, no, 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 it can't be. It can't be. Because his mind was so naturalistic. That's what happens when you fail to realize the divine inspiration of the scriptures. If you think that the Bible is all about simply giving us moral compass, how we should live, you know, be good to other people, live morally, then it becomes simply a just collection of human wisdom almost, just really nice ethical things. And that's why a lot of people in the world think of the Bible. They think the Bible, aside from these crazy supernatural things and the claims of Jesus, that he was the son of God, the savior of the world, other ethical things, people can accept it. Yeah, I can accept it. I mean, that's a really good ethical saying. Many people in the world, they may give respect to Jesus for the ethical things that he talks about. But when it comes to other divine things, spiritual things, they reject it. But the scripture it's, it's of divine origin. And the scripture itself tells us that it is an inspired text. And now, it's not a circular reasoning. Well, how do we know that the Bible is uh, inspired? Well, because the Bible says so. It's a circular reasoning, isn't it? Well, when we look at a car, right, and see that it bears a trade name like Ford, then we accept it. And we say that the make of the car is Ford. Were you there in that, you know, the, the plant and the, where the car was actually made? We weren't there. But when it says, and when it bears a name, Ford, we accept it as is. When Romeo and Juliet has Shakespeare as its author, we accept it. We weren't there when he was there, when he wrote it. But we accept it. If it's a fraud, then people, and we will come to find, find out over time. Eventually, whatever that is fraud, it cannot withstand the test of time. Somehow it will come to light. 
But as, as I said before, the Bible has withstood the scrutiny throughout history. Not only that, for those of us who truly believe and are born again, there is an internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that, who, re, in, uh, who indwells us gives the testimony to us that this truly is the word of God. God has spoken, and it was inscripturated. I remember times, and I, I think I believe this is a test, uh, uh, the experience of many of us. Were you, have you guys ever had this experience where you're reading the scripture? Though it is, you know, it's written, but as you are reading, meditating on it, as you are listening to it, the word just jumps out at you. And it just speaks to you. Speaks to you. Like, it's so alive. There are times when I wish it would happen every time I open up the scriptures. But the, the fact is, I, it doesn't happen to me all the time, but there are times when I read the scriptures, it just jumps out, springs forward, and it really speaks to the very core, very center of my heart. I remember one time I just had to break down and cry because it was like so powerful. And it's not like a passage that I've never read before. It's the same passage that I read before that I am familiar with. And yet, at that particular moment, somehow, God would speak to me with such conviction and such clarity, such power, that I had to just break down and, or kneel down before him and say, God, thank you for your truth. You are speaking to me. I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was so clear. I was more sure of his presence than the building or the surrounding objects that I see with my own eyes. God speaks with his word. Have you had that experience? There's an internal witness of the Holy Spirit. If you are truly of God, God will speak to you especially through the scriptures. Have you had that experience? God truly speaking to you, just the words are just jumping out, speaking to you as if God were right there next to you. Today's text says all scripture is breathed out by God. But what does that mean? What does that mean? It's not dictation. Even though the scripture does include actual words uttered by God, but not all of it. When we talk about inspiration of the scripture, we are not talking about dictation. God did not say, hey, Moses, all right, so I want you to write this down, right? For Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you are to write, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what you are to write. No, God didn't dictate and Moses, or the writers of the scriptures, they simply just write down whatever that they heard from God. No, it wasn't like that. The authors wrote from their own personal, historical, and cultural contexts. Although they used their own minds, talents, language, and style, they wrote what God wanted them to write. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, 
I don't know if you have that. Um, so it says, second, yeah, uh, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God would give them message, but in their own circumstances, because of their own, uh, because uh, and depending on their own uh, upbringing, some people are more well educated than others who wrote the scriptures. There was all different style of writing, different ways of writing things, but they all heard the message. They got received the message from God. Certain writers of the Old Testament uh, received messages directly from God. Moses was given the Ten Commandments, right, inscribed on a stone. When David was uh, composing his psalms, he received that divine inspiration to foretell certain events that would take place, that would take place like a thousand years later in the life of Christ. God told his prophets, like Isaiah, and Jeremiah, exactly what to say. Therefore, when they gave a message, it was God's words, not their own. And to other prophets, like um, Ezekiel or Daniel, God communicated his message through visions and dreams. They recorded exactly what they saw, whether they understood it or not. And other writers, like Samuel, Ezra, they were directed by God to record events in the history of Israel. And it's not like these writers kind of huddled together uh, or held meetings to coordinate or to somehow come up with this grand master plan or like a blueprint for comprehensive outline of the scriptures. They all lived in different times. They never consulted with each other. Different circumstances, some were in captivity. They were taken to Babylon, somewhere in the times like when they were crossing uh, the, the, the Red Sea. Some people were living when David was still king. All of this. But after God, and so all of this, and then the, how the Old Testament came together. After God spoke through Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, suddenly, there was silence, silence of 400 years. But after the, the conclusion, uh, after the end of the Old Testament, until the New Testament time, there was 400 years of silence. That's like, if you think about it from today's terms, like basically God has, say the people, have, we've been receiving God's message uh, for the first thousand years, and then around 1600, boom, there is a, uh, so even before the formation of this country, there was a silence from God, no message. No more prophets were raised. There were no more new revelation from God for 400 years. Then Jesus, God's son, came to earth. In his teachings, he affirmed the divine authorship of the Old Testament writings. He also identifies certain Old Testament passages as prophesying about him and being fulfilled in him. So even Jesus himself testified 
the truth, the fact that the, that the Old Testament, their scripture, was, it came directly from God, not from, simply from man. And the divine inspiration is not limited to the Old Testament. Jesus told his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit who would remind them of all the things that he has taught and he has said. And then he, that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. And the New Testament writers were guided by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. And the inspiration for writing the, the Gospels did not begin when the authors began writing. Sometimes we think that the divine inspiration started just as the writers started writing. Oh, they were so inspired. And they just start writing. And then just like it got, you know, became inscripturated. No, the inspiration began when they were enlightened by their encounters with Christ. That's when the inspiration truly began. Their spiritual eyes suddenly opened. Before, they didn't see who Jesus was. But as they went through and they encountered Christ, person after person, they were, their eyes suddenly opened. And then uh, that experience and their experiences with him changed their lives forever, imprinting on their souls its indelible messages of the Son of God, the revealed Son of God. And this is what John was uh, speaking about in the prologue uh, to his gospel when he declared that in chapter, chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. As he spent the time with Jesus for three years, that just had such a lasting impression on him and he came to write whenever he wrote but the inspiration started when he first came in contact with Christ how it just like you know really just changed uh, perspective and John adds in first John uh, it says in a verse one that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. In these verses, when John write, wrote this, the verbs here are in the perfect tense. And in, in Greek, when you use the perfect tense in the, in the verb, it, uh, it signifies a past action that, that has carried into the present time. Me meaning, when you use a perfect, uh, perfect tense to describe all these things, that they, the, the action has started in the past, but there was an abiding effect. It was continuing, continuing, continuing into the present. These past encounters with Jesus were never forgotten by John. They lived with him. It was in him, stayed with him as an inspiring spirit 
until the time he wrote of them in his gospel, and first and second and third John. The inspiration for writing of the epistles can also be attributed to the writer's encounters with the living Christ. Paul claimed that his inspiration came from his encounter with the risen Christ. So the New Testament writers were first inspired by their encounters with Christ. C.S. Lewis, he was famously basically an atheist but in, in, the, in the 20th century. But after just the wrestling, he was really a sharp mind, right? He was like an Oxford-like uh, professor and world-renowned author. He said, there is no God. How can God be this? He has so many questions, but after wrestling with them, he, he writes that, uh, that he just could not uh, just let it go, that, that God is real. God does exist. So that he, he was just wrestling with it, and he said he was the most reluctant convert in all of Christianity because he really didn't want to be a Christian. But just the, the thought of the, the presence of God and the existence of God just like hounded him for many, many years. And finally, he came, couldn't help but to just, uh, just to put his trust in Christ. And then came some amazing words, right? The Chronicles of Narnia all these other amazing and, uh, books that he wrote. But the inspiration, it all started with his encounter with Christ. The inspiration didn't start from, you know, and when he started just writing the book. Same thing with the, the, uh, the New Testament writers. So the, the inspiration started with their encounter with Christ. And secondly, they were inspired by the Spirit when they wrote, speaking for all the apostles. Paul indicated that the New Testament apostles were taught by the, uh, the Holy Spirit what to say. They didn't speak with words of human wisdom, but with words given to them by the Spirit. For example, when the Apostle John saw that Jesus Christ had come to give eternal life to people, the Spirit helped him express this truth in many different ways. So the, the readers of, of John's gospel says different phrases about Jesus giving life. In verse 1, 4, basically he said, In him was life, and the life was, with the, was the light of man. 4, 14, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of life. A, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He also says, you know, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 8.12, you will have a light that leads to life. Jesus says, I am the resurre resurrection and the life. So just the, 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 the truth about Jesus giving life to his people. John was inspired, and as he was writing this, this truth, he just used different phrases to convey this message. So what does this um, origin and the divine inspiration of the scriptures mean for us? What are its implications? This means the scriptures in its original form is without error and it's infallible. Even though there, uh, there may have been 
human error by the copies in its early days because you know back then they didn't have the computer or anything they had to the you know just written just everything by hand by hand there were some few human errors but those human errors are negligible and it really does not change the content one bit it is completely trustworthy because God was in control of its writing because the Almighty God was behind uh, behind the behind of it all right it is absolutely true his promises and his sayings do not change over time or are not subject to cultural changes whatever he says we ought to trust trust it we can truly we have to really when we think about the scriptures because it came from God spoke and it was inscripturated and truly trust in what it says and not only that its words are entirely authoritative for our faith and lives that's why you know Paul uh, Timothy said uh, Paul says Timothy that the Word of God is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness it really benefits us because the word of God it came it comes from God it's not merely just like one person saying it to another but God is calling us to certain actions when we are in disagreement right when we try to just like you know reconcile the differences through different means right and when we can't we take it to court and try to just you know settle the dispute or turn and just turn to the higher authority when it comes to spiritual matters or when it comes to really all of our lives when we are in disagreement even as Christians what do you have to turn to we have to turn to the scripture see what it says what are the principles of what it says and it would should inform us it should really change the way we behave the way we think the way we speak every aspect of our lives because the Word of God I mean, this scripture is something that God has spoken to us it was his full intention for us to know his will and what to do with it every story every prophecy every teaching every command points beyond to the ultimate author God who came to us in Jesus Christ and now God confronts us in the pages of his word telling us who he really is and what he wants us to do how we can become his children and how we should live to please him and now our challenge is to accept and believe that through the scriptures God has been speaking to us that we are to turn uh, tune into his word take it to heart and live according to it instead of I mean you know these days not many people really just bring the Bible you know physical Bible to church we all just have it in our phones and just bring it and then just kind of swipe it and then just scroll down up and down and just look at the scriptures and uh, at times it's easy for us to kind of consider that as just one of the apps that we have in our phone but more than that you know but the Word of God this is God's word God spoke to us 
saying, this is my will for you. We are to just give our hearts and ears, our um, everything, and just be committed to what it says. That's what God calls us to do, and may that be our uh, mindset and approach before him. Let's pray.